Connect friends, Casey here. Welcome to episode number 10 of the DSO Connect podcast. I'm excited to share this week's episode with you. It's a conversation between Robin and her husband, Wally, about their relationship and how they make it work with owning a dance studio, what Wally's role is at the studio. He plays a really integral part in Robin's business and just how their relationship evolved, how the studio evolved along with it. It's really a beautiful story, so I hope you enjoy that. But before we get into that, I wanted to make sure everyone knew about a very exciting development here in DSO Connect land that the six of us have been working on for quite a while, and it's finally a reality. We have created a program we're calling the Member Vault. It's an exclusive membership where we are sharing all of our resources, all of our knowledge, everything that the six of us have learned over the course of our studio ownership journeys. And instead of keeping it all to ourselves, we're going to share it with you. So we've been working on this for many, many months behind the scenes, um, but it is now open. It is live and you can join in. It is just $27 per month, which like, let's be honest, you probably spend more than that on your Starbucks addiction. I know I do. So for less than what you pay in coffee every month, you are going to have access to videos, downloadable PDFs, task calendars, social media templates every single month. We've got a whole load of free bonus content. Um, Everything that we've uploaded here is going to improve your life help you grow your business and streamline your schedule so that you can live a more balanced life, which is what we're all about. So we invite you to join. There will also be a closed Facebook group where members will have access to follow-ups about our monthly topics, deep dive into details and discuss in more depth how to handle situations at your studio. Another awesome feature of the DSO Connect member vault is that members will have more direct contact with the six of us. Think of it like having six seasoned dance studio owners on retainer to ask advice of at any time. You can have phone calls with us. You can email us. We will be there for you whenever you have one of those sticky studio owner situations that you just need some more direct help with. To sign up for our exclusive member vault and to learn more, go to our website, dancestudioownerconnect.com and click on the membership tab. You can learn more about what each month will include and sign up. Again, it's just $27 a month. I also wanted to remind everyone about our retreat this summer. It is going to be held in Niagara Falls, Canada, the weekend of of July 10th through 12th. It features studio owner content as well as classroom content. We're gonna be staying in an amazing estate and it's a it's an intimate experience rather than one of those huge um, conventions where you feel like you're just being shuffled around like cattle. <laughs> um, we are only taking 12 studio owners, so it's super exclusive. And it's going to be a really amazing experience for those 12 people, and I hope that you can be one of them. Friday night will begin at the estate with drinks and snacks and some business content from uh, a few of the six of us. And then on Saturday, 
we have a full day at Amanda's studio of teacher training content. And if you want to bring your staff to this, it's going to be incredible for them as well. So that's Saturday all day. We've got content including tips and tricks for your preschool dancers with me. We've got Amanda presenting on jazz fundamentals and how to make them fresh again. We've got Tammy talking about training your teacher's eye, um, how to you know hone in on those details and really refine your dancer's technique. Holly is going to be doing a session on contemporary and improvisation, and we've got so much more. There's gonna, it's going to be amazing, and, and we really hope that you can be a part of it. So that's Saturday, uh, July 11th, Sunday the 12th will be implementation sessions for studio owners. So all the information that we learned on Friday night, even some of the tidbits that we learned on Saturday, we're going to sit down and actually do it together. And the six of us will be there to help guide you through the process. So rather than leaving the, uh, the experience, going home and being overwhelmed and not knowing where to start and just kind of getting back into regular life and not doing anything with the amazing content you've you've received over the weekend we're going to sit down and actually do it together so that when you get back you will have you'll be ready to go you will have these systems in place you will have the information already rolled out so again that is july 10th through 12th for more information pricing and to sign up you can visit our website dancestudioownerconnect.com and click on the retreat 2020 tab so that is all that i needed to talk to you all about and without further ado let's jump into robin's conversation with her husband wally Hey everybody, this is Robin from DSO Connect and welcome to the DSO Connect podcast. Today we are talking with my husband Walter and the, the topic of today's discussion is going to be dance studio owner husbands, how to train them and treat them right. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't like that uh, title. What? I think that title should be dance studio owners and their husbands who are treated like slaves. <laughs> That's not that's, true. That's a good title. That's a good title. Do you think that's more accurate representation yes. of our relationship? No, I'm just kidding. You're just kidding. Yeah. All right. So this is my husband, Walter. Um, some of you may have met him at the last retreat. Um, but we decided to do this podcast because I know a lot of studio owners um, have partners, whether it be husbands, wives, boyfriends, girlfriends, whatever. So when I say dance studio and our husbands, I really am kind of using that as a broad brush stroke. And, you know, this could apply to any person that you're in a relationship with. It just so happens I am your husband. You are my husband. Yeah, so that is correct. That's why you said. <laughs> that's why I said husband. Okay. <laughs> um, so we've been together for a long time. 20. Since 1997. Yep. Married since 99. Yep. So almost the entire life of my stu our studio, which is 28 years old, um, we've been together. So when we first met, my studio was very young. It was about five years old. And I had um, Nicholas, my oldest son, and he was only nine months old when we met. So I was looking for a partner in my life. I was looking for someone who could 
be a father figure to my son, a husband, and also maybe I didn't realize it at the time, but I sure am glad I found someone who could be instrumental in the growth of our business. Um, in fact, I may have subliminally known it because when we were on one of our first dates, I remember asking you, do you remember this? Do you remember me saying? Asking if I knew how to build things. <laughs> I said, of course. Of course. I'd say anything to make her <laughs> Have another like date. Yeah, have another date day. with you. <laughs> <laughs> So I think he was exaggerating his skills a little bit, but he certainly um, learned on the job. But I also, I did know how to build stuff and-, and I think know, you had a basic knowledge. Yeah, I was very mechanically inclined. Right, you had a basic knowledge and you were willing to learn. And I think that's really important because um, another thing that I learned early on when we were dating was that you were not passionate and in love with your job. I hated my job. He hated his job. Because it kept me away from my family. Yeah. Because I was a contractor. Yeah. So he worked in the nuke plants and he would have like these shifts where he would, you know, sometimes he'd be away for a week or two. Sometimes he'd be on night shift. It was really rough for the family. And I think that, um, well, at first I remember thinking, oh my God, how can I, you know, be in a relationship and be in love with a guy who doesn't love his job? I kind of thought, that that was something that was important to me in a life partner. But, I, but in retrospect, I realized that his lack of passion for his career left an opening for him to be pa become passionate about my career. I was just totally a slave to that job because <laughs> I would work six days a week, 12 hours a day and be away from home. So that's all I did. Yeah. So then you became a slave to the dance studio. But I'm not a slave to the dance studio. I'm a slave to... <laughs> Me? <laughs> That's okay. Um, you're a happy slave. Yes. <laughs> I treat you well. <laughs> yes, you do. But also, not only did, like, she's, she had a passion for dance, but I, saw, I, I, I also had a passion for it because I was on board with it because I thought it was good. So. Yeah. So that is, I think, a huge, a huge consideration in, in a successful um, marital or partnership relationship when it comes to your business thriving. Um, does your partner believe in what you're doing? And I'm not saying that it's essential that your partner needs to jump on board full time, but I think it's really important that they respect your dream and respect your studio and um, make themselves available within reason, you know, to help you fulfill your dream. And I know that some studio owners do struggle with that dynamic with their partners, especially if their partner has a, a very demanding job that may require them to be out of town a lot. And so now the studio owner is maybe taking on a, a a disproportionate amount of the home responsibilities, which makes it harder for them to work on their business. Also, the, you know, if that partner is the one that's making the most income and sometimes they feel like the studio is just a burden to them because yeah. their wife's away from home and, you know, and, which in our case, it's, it hasn't turned out to be that way. My job was the job that was making most income, but now it's total what would you say a 180? Yeah. A 180. That the studio is making, well, actually the studio is making. It's our primary income. Primary income right now. Yeah. At this time. And it's, it's 
me getting on board has helped it get that way. Right. Robin runs the studio and operates it, but with us working together, it has become very successful. Yeah. And the other thing is that you and I have very different skill sets. And so we complement each other nicely. Like, I don't know how to use a z z What's Cord that called? <laughs> Is that called? Zzz. <laughs> Cordless drill. I don't know how to use that. I can use a hammer and maybe a screwdriver, but I don't know the difference between the plus one and the minus one. <laughs> So anyway, he is the expert in that area, and I am the expert in, um, you know, what I do, which is building Operating the business. Operating the studio. Right. All right, so when we first met, um, I had a one-room studio in Mount Vernon, which is a cute little neighborhood in Baltimore, and I really wanted to move because we were sharing a space with another dance studio, which was very awkward, and it was just time to grow. So what was holding me back was actually that I did not have the resources to build out a new space. Um, I didn't have the, the financial resources, nor did I have the physical knowledge to do it. So when I met, this was around the time I was, you know, first met Wally and um, he, he told me he knew how to build stuff. So I moved forward with the move, of course, consulting him. We talked about it and we decided that this is something we wanted to do together, right? Yes, and I learned over time if Robin says we're doing something, it's that's what that's what is happening. <laughs> but for the most part, it's turned out okay. Yeah, I know. She'll say we're just talking about it now, but within a week we're doing it. <laughs> now, so, sometimes I turn around if I if I gather information, and realize it's a bad idea. Once. Yeah. Go ahead. All right. <laughs> okay, so we. Um, we were negotiating a lease to move into a bigger space, you know, just a couple of miles into another neighborhood in Hamden. And the lease negotiating process was taking a really long time. By the time we signed the lease, we had two weeks before the fall opening. And this place needed a lot of work. It had a lot of potential. It was beautiful, high ceilings, blah, blah, blah. It was, it was going to be it great. It was an old bowling alley. Yeah. And we had to turn it into a dance studio. So we had, like she said, we had two weeks and uh, we ended up living there, Robin, myself, Nicholas, my older son, Gator, and our beagle. We lived there for two years. <laughs> so Nicholas is about almost a year old. Like, yeah. He's, no, a year and a half. Yeah, a he's and a half 18 old. months old and a 14-year-old boy and a beagle and the two of us and my senior dance company, my senior ensemble. So basically eight teenage girls. And they gave up the last two weeks of their summer to live at the studio. And we didn't have anything. We didn't have a moving truck. So during the day, I would take a dancer with me and we'd drive across town and fill up our car with whatever things we were moving from the old studio and bring them over. We and borrow tools besides what little tools I had. And we were painting and cleaning and organizing. And, and we, had to, we had to tear down one of the walls in our the studio that was going to be studio number one and uh, I was up one day on a ladder tear, tearing this wall down from the top because it was the ceilings were what 15 16 feet high really high 20 feet high maybe and the ladder it was a wooden old wooden ladder and the leg broke and I was up dangling. There dangling hanging from the ceiling like 15 feet off the floor oh my god and my 14 year old son was down there and he didn't know what to do he's just a kid and I'm yelling down to him 
to throw some of that old sheetrock on top of the old pile of wood that was there. There was like a giant pile of debris under him. Yes. And if he fell, like there would have been nails and... So he threw a couple sheets of sheetrock on it and that's when, and then I jumped down to that, onto the <laughs> sheetrock. <laughs> he was there, he's a 14 year old boy like, oh my God, it's gonna on? die. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We, we were really winging it, we, but we made it work somehow. And over those, those two weeks... Um, Just one more thing. Do you yeah. remember us getting rid of the debris? Oh, yeah. We trailer, didn't have the, a, Your mom's trailer. Oh, my God. Tell throwing me. the stuff out the window onto the sidewalk with somebody stopping people as we're throwing stuff out. Because this is almost in the city. Well, we're in the second floor of a building in the city, and we didn't have a dumpster. But we had a trailer, like an, my mom's old farm trailer. So we're like country folk in the city. And we had dancers down there, like stopping people on the sidewalk so they don't walk by. And so then Wally's throwing the debris out the window into the trailer. Oh my God, it was like a hillbilly extravaganza going on there. <laughs> but another thing, we had all the parents, the mothers would bring us food and the fathers would help me help build it out. Yeah, because some of the dads had more experience in building than you did yeah. because you exaggerated your skill set during the interview. <laughs> Plus, they had more money, so they were bringing beer and wine. <laughs> and lasagnas and bagels and cream cheese. It was really fun. Oh, and we conceived my second, our, our second son there. Alex. He was conceived during those two weeks. Yeah. Fun fact. So um, <laughs> it was fun. Anyway, um, we, we stayed in Hamden for a couple of years, and that was rough because my rent was too high. Um, Baltimore's oversaturated with studios. The neighborhood we were in, there just wasn't a lot of expendable income for families, and financially it was really a struggle. We had a hard time yeah. getting people to pay their tuition sometimes. Yeah, they, we didn't have a hard time getting people to come, but we did have a hard time getting them to pay and pay consistently. And that, and that, that was a time when Robin was, I feel like, a little bit trying to be a little too nice. Well, but, also I was overwhelmed, and I had yeah. so many hats to wear and, young. and I didn't do bill collection. I just kept putting that off, which was a problem. But also we didn't have online registration and auto pay then. This was in the nineties. So anyway, that's another whole other story. Yeah. But what I was getting at was there were times when my husband's paycheck would pay our teachers and he didn't know it at the time. He knows it now. Um, <laughs> it's safe to tell him now, but the, yeah, there were times when, um, I needed to use his paycheck to pay my teachers and maybe the electric bill was a little late or, you know, I just had to scrimp on the groceries that, that week. Um, but we did what we had to do. We did what we had to do. And I think that even, I, I think that even if I did tell you that back then, you would have been okay with it as long as it wasn't two hours. Well, you didn't extreme. tell me back then. You just told me like a week or two later. Yeah. And I probably told you it happened once or twice, and yeah. it might have happened like five times. Yeah. But anyway, again, we were both kind of in it, for taking one for the team. We were both all in. Um, so anyway, we decided to leave Hamden and move up to New Freedom, which is um, about 40 miles north. And it's, a much, it's out of Baltimore City. It's more of a rural country area. And I was going to just not be a studio owner. I was just going to be a PTA mom. But that didn't work out. And be submissive to your husband. Oh, yeah, I actually did take a class, like a Bible study class at our church. I was thinking I was going to, we joined the church, the Lutheran church, yeah. which didn't last. And I did a Bible study, and the first lesson was how to be a submissive wife. 
and I even bought the book and I tried and I, I just, it wasn't working. For and me. that's Robin. Yeah. I can't, I couldn't do that. So, um, we ended up uh, deciding, well, we decided that we were going to open a studio up in New Freedom. Yeah. And we rented a small space that you had to, um, I had to, you had to do some work. That was probably the easiest out, yeah. one. Well, we had to put the mirrors up. Mirrors and, and floors. And, floors and, and you know, just some paint. And that, that one was pretty easy because we knew it was temporary. But then less than a year later, we found this building that was a monster. I loved it. It was pegboard and drop ceiling and fluorescent lighting and multiple levels and we, and, and we rented it to begin with because my yeah because my dad who has was financing the project didn't want to buy this building he wanted a new vanilla box and i so we built out which is now still studio one and two and the parents lounge we just had that that's all we had we built that out <clears throat> and when we were doing that we were using supplies that the old uh, true value left there we were reusing nails i was they, they left a lot of supplies just all over the place and i would find these supplies and i was using them to help build out yeah it was those like two a studios and luckily the people that own the true value who actually sold it to us their their three kids were some of our first three students there right so that was well they well the point i was getting at was they gave us a line of credit to where we could we had a line of credit with them to get supplies so we could build this place out yeah so that's some small town action right there so the building we found used to be a true value hardware store and they moved up the road into a bigger fancier place so they sell us their old building leave a whole bunch of supplies their three kids are our first customers and our biggest check, tuition check each month. And their, their mom loved it, so she, she was like, for us. Yeah, she was the big cheerleader mom, whatever. That was a big thing. And then after we got um, a couple rooms built out, we convinced my dad that, we were good, that he should help us buy this building, which he did. And then we had just more projects because we had more um, rooms to build out. How big is this, the building? 19,000 square feet. 19,000 square feet. And so there's always another room so that when someone says, oh, you should start a theater program, it's like, mm, oh, yeah, we've got that garage and in the basement. just started happening where we needed more space. Needed. We were at first we were going to rent out part of this building, but it never happened because we needed, we ended up needing all the space to our, for our studio. Right. So that was, that was really um, a big job that lasted many years. We bought that building in 2003 and it's still less it's still happening well it's in a smaller scale yeah well now it's kind of like maintenance and yes. upkeep and stuff but what i was going to say your job yeah what this was a huge project and one of the great things about the job the, i had the job you had was that you were able to push pause so for six months for six months i stopped working my uh <clears throat> contractor job and that's when I started building out the rest of the studio. So my day-to-day -day was, I'd go there and I would work all day long building the, we built, well, we have the gym and then the Studio 3 and the cafe music and academy. the music academy. And so we, you know. Five dance studios. Five dance studios. So I built that, spent that six months building all that out. And... Uh, Right, so the day-to-day -day looked like basically you would wake up in the morning and you would go to the studio and that was your job. Yeah. And then I would take care of the kids. We had three kids under the age of five or, or six at that time. 
and um, they had to go to preschool and kindergarten and I had to run them back and forth and I had to feed them lunch and do their homework and you know whatever and then by maybe three o'clock we show up at the studio and well you know how it is studio owners when you have your kids at the studio it's kind of their second home and they're kind of underfoot um, and they think they own the place they think <laughs> they own the place they want to help and then I would probably work there till like five or six o'clock and then uh, then he would take the kids home. This is another thing that I think is beautiful. If your um, partner can embrace the idea that in the evenings you need to be at your studio. And if you're a parent, your partner hopefully will absorb some of the parenting uh, responsibilities. Which we always together parented the kids. We were, right. You know, but I, she did it during the day. I would get them, take them home at night feed them homework if you know baths. Nick had any baths and and even if they had an activity in another location that wasn't the studio you would take them there yeah and put them to bed yeah and he never had a problem with that so that that really was I, I think that's huge I've heard studio owners or even dance teachers um, lament that they wish that their husband or partner was more cooperative when it came to them being away in the evenings instead of making them feel guilty and by me cooperating instead of fighting the system mm -hmm. <laughs> we are the studio is thriving and doing well and it's it is our income yeah it was a sacrifice that we made for a period of time and it's it's ours we we did it together but of course she runs it now but i'm the she does all the brain work on running it and operating and making the business make money and I just keep the upkeep of the business going so right. she can do her job. We have figured out what your strengths are and what my strengths are and we kind of complement each other. I think we're a good partnership in that regard. He allows me to do what I do and I allow him to do what he does. And this is an example of um, one, one of the very few times that I was wrong. <laughs> Remember I wanted to open a second oh, location yeah. in Upper Co. So we decided to open a second location and it was not very far away. It was like 30 minutes away. So my husband built another studio. Oh yeah, I forgot about that one. <laughs> Blocked it out. Blocked, yeah. So we only, so he put a lot of effort. This was like a, a workshop garage type studio as well. So it was like greasy and he had to build a subfloor and like. In yeah, the, I had to level that one floor out because it was on a It was like, angle. yeah, because it had a drain. So I guess, yeah. yeah. So anyway, it was a lot of work. So we rented this place. Again, rent was too high. And after about a year and a half, we were hemorrhaging money. And I decided to pull the plug. And I felt really bad for my husband because um, he but, put all that work into it. And then I was like, never mind. But sometimes you need to know when to pull the plug. And anyway, that was a little blip in the plan. But we recovered from that. Um, and now... What, what things look like now is that um, I've learned over the, probably the last three or four years how to really work on the business instead of in the business. And so most of my time is not spent in the studio. So I'm at home at night most of the time. And my day-to-day. -day yeah, what's your day-to-day? -day? Is I usually get up right now and as long as there's no problems. If there, of course, if there's a problem with the studio, I've got to fix that. But on a day-to-day, -day, I'll get up and go into the studio, make sure everything is 
Oh, there's no problems. Nobody uh, broke in the yeah. night before. There's no Make leaks. Sure water bottles building. are filled up. Uh, you know, what changed out? Trash is picked up. Uh, just general general maintenance, and uh, then I just do whatever else I do. So he's the facilities manager, and his responsibility is to obviously make sure the facility is fine. And sometimes he'll get a call at 7 p.m. when he's in relaxation zone and someone from the studio will say there's a leak in the ceiling or you know there's a bird's nest there's been times i've had to go there and check stuff out or fix something a little or, yeah but he it, as much as that's kind of a pain in the moment i mean it, that's what that's what you have that's to your do job you yeah business. so last summer my husband and i decided that he would retire from his job so now the studio is our only well it's our main source of income and um, he does not have a paycheck that he's bringing in anymore. And we're fine because we've both invested so much over the years to build this together. Um, and he's, his title is facilities manager. He also does things like- When, um, we, when we have our spring and uh, Christmas performances, I am the one in charge of load the out. load out of the studio and load into the polo. And then of course, load back out, load back into our studio. But I'll like a week before the shows, I'll get up with all the main teachers and tell them to make sure they have all their stuff in the loading areas. And, uh, they do I have them trained <laughs> or they have me trained, whichever <laughs> Well, they're female. So they have me trained. Um, I do that. And then of course, in the fall, we have our fall tour where we have to go, we go to the new freedom fest or Shrewsbury fireman's festival mm -hmm. and, have to set up the sound system and the floor for the girls to dance on and, and our little booths and all that. So that's my job. So there's like a couple of days out of the year that are intense and grueling. And then a it's, lot they're of all intense and grueling, but there's also, they're also fun. Yeah. Right. But you don't have those days every day, no. like for, for, like I would say like six times a year, you have a big, huge, busy, overwhelming day. Yeah. Yeah. And then we do our video premiere and you, you cook. You oh yeah. Yeah. The, set up the screen we have a, a large screen video screen so we can show the the girls their uh it's, spring concert that yeah. they danced in and my sons and i set up the big screen that's like 20 by 15 feet and uh, and you cook all day we cook and and then but you but a big part of that event is like the setup and the cleanup and yeah. you take on that responsibility so like a week before the event, he's like, oh my God, I got to mow the lawn. I got to set up the chairs. Well, I got to clean the, the pool. Food and, yeah, yeah. Set up all the, yeah. Yeah. The so that's games. another thing that Wally is really good at. He loves to cook. So sometimes, a lot of times we'll have staff meetings at the house and he'll make food and, you know, serve, serve the ladies and I while we're sitting at the dining room table or sometimes we're on the deck <laughs> and you're serving. I like that part. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, if you know my husband, you know that. He's older than me. He's 60 and 50. And he comes from, you know, he grew up on a farm in Ohio. So he's kind of an old school kind of guy. And um, he's learned a lot being married to, you know, a female business owner. And he's come a long way. But there are some, some like ingrained beliefs and tendencies that he has that he'll never lose. And Jeffrey, who's a very dear friend of mine, said, um, you know, I know that it goes against Wally's grain to be the person who runs the house and does the cooking and the grocery shopping and the cleaning and everything, and then have his wife be the, the main breadwinner. But 
but that doesn't bother me. Well, I think that deep down inside it goes against what you've been taught growing up, but mentally you are accepting it. But I think the reason he said that is because he can tell that you're trying to convince yourself that it's fine. <laughs> but it, it, maybe because, it might have been that way, but yeah. at this point in my you've life, convinced it's, yourself. it's fine. So, yeah. So here we are now. Yeah. Doing a podcast and life is good. Yeah. So last summer he, um, you know, quit his job. And then in November we um, bought a house in Florida. So now we can, now it's dead of winter in the Northeast and we are recording this podcast um, with all the doors open and we're looking out on the lanai and it's beautiful, but we are able to do this together because we put all this effort into this project together. But it's a lot of work and it's going to, the work's going to continue, but yeah, it's also fun. Yeah. And so now we're at a point with both Wally and myself where we're trying to think about the next chapter. And the, uh, the next chapter is that we'll be here in Florida for you know two to three months a year. And so during snow season, when a, one of Wally's jobs is to plow the snow, we need to start thinking about who's gonna do that in your absence and systematize things and hire out and yeah. outsource and things so that we can step out and have the machine keep going. Yeah. Because we've been doing that with me for years, you know, I've been systematizing and, and all that, but now we have to do it with his, with his responsibilities as well. In fact, the last performance, we, uh, Wally just had double knee surgery, so like two weeks ago. So we had a ballet performance. Oh, yeah. Like a week after your surgery. What was it? And everyone knew that he wasn't going to be able to do load out and load in, and um, he couldn't build any sets or anything. So we just told the parents, like, this is happening, and we need parent volunteers. Well, the one parent, they, Brent, Brent yeah. who he stepped up, and he said he would take care of basically everything right now while I'm recuperating from my right. knee surgery with the help of my sons, which yeah, they've been there too. Helping. Yeah, but the, the concept is that now as we're starting to – um, think of the next chapter, you want to make sure that your job is taken care of yeah. so that you can step out and just manage it. So you could, you were on the phone. You, you didn't just say, I'm not going to be there for the ballet. Yeah, you were like on the phone coordinating with people all the time. Yeah, I did yeah. coordinate to make sure everything was done. Yeah. So overall, what would you say, because we're, we're, we've been talking for a while, so we are going to wrap it up, but what would you say, um, is our working dynamic. Do you feel like we work good, well together? Or do you, I mean, there's, I feel like we, we work very well as a team. You, you know your role and I know my role. I, our roles have, at one point we did everything together. Robin would share with the housework and uh, it was like a 50-50 thing between me working, her working, and so she'd take care of the house and I'd take care of the house, but now, my one of my main jobs is take care of the house to, I mean she does some stuff but she her time is better spent on operating the studio and making sure the studio keeps going forward moving forward and I take, take took taken on the role of I take care of the house I cook I do a lot of the cleaning and of course we don't have to worry about taking care of young children anymore but we each know our role and mm -hmm. I'm, I'm fine with it. Yeah, the other day I had to go to the grocery store because your knees, you yeah. just come out of the hospital and I did not even know my way around the grocery store. 
it took me forever. <laughs> I haven't done that in so long. So that that's wonderful. I'm very appreciative that you do that now. This is, I've got a great life. So yeah. I mean, plus I get to cook the food. And isn't it isn't it great to because <laughs> you you're the best person to do it. Anyway, I feel like there have been many times that we we bicker, but we were getting better at that. And um, I think that we've felt, fallen into a nice routine. So I am really interested to hear the, some of the other DSO Connect ladies interview their partners. So we're going to say goodbye because I see that the, um, the pool looks lovely and I think we should go sit by it. What do you think, Wally? I think that's a good idea. <laughs> All right. Bye, everybody. And we will see you in the next podcast. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. bye.